And then Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence. And here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome back to the Bath Rugby Plug podcast, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom, dressed in a splendid Bath shirt, drinking a Corona, ready for this COVID comeback special. Absolutely. It's buzzing to be uh, back with you. Um, as you say, feeling uh, very festive for the new season, um, even though it's yeah about as far from Christmas as, as we could possibly be. But gee, only 43 days away now from mm. the resumption of Premiership Rugby. That's my Christmas. Um, exactly. It's starting to feel a bit real now, isn't it? certainly is it really is um yeah i think that date's been feeling far and far in the past but then if you look at how it's been 118 day break i've also done my research for this one mate we've had so long 118 days since rugby and 74 days for our research for this podcast which was the date since our last podcast so hope you've brushed up on your notes and you've got plenty to talk about yeah no no excuses there i think you know like Obviously, we started off doing a couple of podcasts and you know looking at the old games, and um, it was nice to look back. But also, when you were mid-season and all your sort of hopes and fears were kind of dashed, kind of watching those old games does become um, a little bit stale. But we are now back, refreshed. Um, we've been lucky enough to you know watch some watch some live rugby with Super Rugby being back on in New Zealand, which I know we've we've both been enjoying um and yeah there's just something about the buzz of of live rugby particularly with the you know the full crowds that that they've had over there yeah i've got in my in my notes tom to uh plug the previous podcast we did on those games if you haven't already checked them out but they've been described as stale by 50% of that podcast so uh, yeah take from that what you will but genuinely do go back and check them out uh, we did one on the uh, the European Cup final which Bath won against Breve and one on the clash in 2017 the first the year, first yeah, year so, so um, yeah that win against Leicester where we scored two, two, two tries at the end um, so go and check those out if you haven't uh, if you have maybe go back and listen um, but whatever you do make sure you hit subscribe now in your feeds again um, and get every episode we do now going forward straight into your feeds follow us across social media uh, we've been a little bit quiet on there as well but back to our old ways um, and give us a review on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts if you are enjoying it um, but first things first tom how are you um you mentioned a bit of super rugby how else or, or with what have you been filling your 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 time without any bath rugby well yeah it's it's been strange you know um trying to catch up on as much sport as as possible look you know watching different sports that i've never even watched one with a um a round ball that they you know they, they <laughs> tend to kick around the place a little bit with ug um and yeah just been uh, very busy with with other things and, and to be honest you know the time has has gone really quickly. Seventy four days. Um, that's that's a very long time. It doesn't feel like that since we were we were last recording. And a lot has changed in that time from from a Bath rugby perspective. Mm. And we were having a quick look at what we were going to talk about today, and we realised quite quickly that we were you know we were going to have our our hands full. We were kind of lamenting how everything was so slow initially with with signings and and and, and with the announcements. Obviously, with the the rumour mill going as fast as it was and then suddenly Bath Rugby announced a whole host of of changes to the 
to the playing squad, which which will um, which will come on to. And you know, it, 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 it's really exciting now because you can start to see uh, where the, where the club's going. I was having a look down the you know down the full squad on the on the club website. I think we've got a really young, exciting group of players. Um, and and you know we can start to build up our our hopes, which ultimately will be dashed probably later in the season. Um, but uh, yeah, great to be back. Yeah, so I think that is kind of the purpose of this podcast this week, Tom, is to kind of give a, a recap of everything that's happened since um, both the end of, of of the Premiership season in March, and also since we did the last podcast, uh, which was in April, but we didn't really touch on much news during those. So to kind of give a big overview and to bring all of you great listeners up to date with everything blue, black and white related. Um, and of course, as you say, Tom, and let's get straight into it, uh, the most important aspect of uh, the news and of the changes at the club is the squad update that the club released on the 4th of June, uh, almost a month ago today, as we record. Uh, and it kind of outlined a drastic, a really drastic change to the playing squad, some of which we ha- already knew at the time, uh, and some of which was rumoured, and some of which kind of came uh, from from really left field, so so I think it's a good idea for us to dig into those, uh, give a, a good idea of of some incoming, some outgoings, uh, and what's going on with the squad uh, moving forward into the the remaining games in the Premiership. Because of course these players, this squad now is Bath squad for the end of the 2019-2020 season. Quite bizarrely, even though it wasn't the squad which begun the 2019-2020 season. Uh, and then we're going to kind of finish the podcast by giving an uh, an idea maybe of what the players have been up to in that time uh, and kind of the protocols that they have been having to abide by at the club and what they are going to moving forward is stage two of the restart rugby for professional kind of comes in. Tom, uh, and then maybe a little look forward to to the start of the season if we have time. But I think there is loads to get into in terms of this squad announcement and a fear of rambling on as I normally do. Um, I'll give a quick list of the incomings at Bath. And luckily, this is the shorter of the the two lists. Uh, And then we can discuss, um, break down, um, or should we go one by one or or me give you a big list? It's up to you. I think, yeah, let's start with with the players in, Maybe, maybe, maybe go through those. Um, as you say, not not too many, um, and then we can maybe touch briefly after that on on kind of um, each of the the sixteen yeah. players leaving. Okay, so let's spin positive first, and I think yeah, there aren't as many of these, so we can kind of go one by one, and and, and the most the headline news, of course, is the one that had been rumoured, we discussed, but is confirmed on a three-year contract: the arrival of England international scrum half Ben Spencer. Tom, this kind of out of all of the news given was was the real highlight and the real outstanding piece of news. Yeah, it was um, it, it was great news. I mean, as I say, we were growing slightly frustrated um, mm. with all the rumours that were flying around that they weren't announcing the the Ben Spencer deal um, as we spoke about and, and as has now materialised with a lot of the other Saracens players. Mm. They have taken one year season loans at, at you know a number of, of clubs. Um, and, and you know, obviously, with the intention of going back to to Saracens, should they kind of return to the to the Premiership, it was our sense at the time, uh, you know, a, a few months ago that that was the case with with Spencer, or at least that was the you know the direction that the the discussions were were taking. And I think now it it kind of explains why it was taking that time. 
in in my mind. Um, obviously, formalising what is a, a three year deal, so uh, really sort of committing his his future to the club. Uh, you know, I, I think Saracens will have moved on a lot of a, a lot as a club, but in three years' time, either for the for the good or or, or for the worse. Uh, so it really feels like Spencer has kind of let that um, go in the past, and he's now moving on to Bath. And you know, the halfback position, the scrum half position, is somewhere where we've been crying out mm. for someone to take it by the horns and to to make it their own. We've had really since Carnforter Lee was and Peter Stringer were at the peak of their powers, and and you know that didn't last. Uh, that wasn't sort of that didn't last sort of too long for for, for either of them. Mm. Um, we've been you know we've tried out various options. Uh, Will Chudley, uh, Chris Cook, um, uh, Max Green's had a go when when he's been fit as well, and no one's really, um, as I say, made that position their own. So Ben Spencer is Matuali as well. Don't forget, absolutely, yeah. Matuali went on to do great things on the wing for Glasgow, um, <laughs> but but Ben Spencer is 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 of, of real pedigree, and yeah. he's a he's a winner. You know, he's he's won yeah. trophies throughout his whole career. Um, he was on the the bench as we forget, for the World Cup final. So he's highly touted by uh, Eddie Jones and, and England as well. Um, he's, a, he's a brilliant signing, G. Um, very, very exciting. Mm. And I think if I were to probably pick one English player to bring in uh, across the whole premiership to improve our squad, he would be pretty close to the, to the top of that list. Yeah, I think he'd be high up when you consider the, the needs within our squad. Mm. And, and I think you're right in, in that he's a proven winner. And I think that's something that perhaps the, the squad has been lacking at times. And I think that, that pedigree of, of winning premierships and winning European competitions recently, very recently, it is going to be absolutely key. And it's going to be on, on Ben Spencer because it's not like Ben Spencer's is young anymore. I think he kind of feels a little bit younger than he actually is because he was behind Richard Rigglesworth at Saracens for obviously quite a long period of time and he's not yet really broken and established himself within that England squad as the first choice nine. So I think kind of in my mind certainly and I think maybe more generally as well, he's seen as maybe someone who's in his early 20s but he's 28 I think, uh, Ben Spencer. And so the onus is on him now to, to lead within that squad because he's got that experience of winning but also lead within that that scrum half uh, kind of meeting room because although Will Chudley is still there, uh, Max Green, who who signed a contract extension, as we'll come on to, and Ollie Fox are the other two guys. So Ben Spencer's certainly got the experience to pass on to these guys. But it's not like we've signed Max Green for a contract extension just to sit behind Ben Spencer for for, for his whole career. You know, this is ultimately potentially for Bath going to be a, a, a succession plan, and so it's on Ben Spencer to to to, to lead within the the club and lead within the the um. The, the the group position, um, yeah, and I, it, I think it's it's going to be I think a challenge for him because it's something that he will have never experienced mm. in his career. You know, he signed for Saracens in in 2011, um, having having been I think at, at Cambridge uh, before that. Obviously, Rich, Richard Rigglesworth very established even at that point for Saracens, and he really has, you know for the most mo- most of his career at Saracens being in the shadow yeah. of Wigglesworth and if push came to shove he was the second choice England you know he he represented England under 20s um he's been on he's been on various uh, tours he's got a handful of caps for under 20s for Saxons and um full honors as well but he's never really been given the opportunity to say you know you're the lead scrum half at this club or in this dressing room take it and 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 sort of make it your own and bring on sort of younger players as well. So I think 
hopefully that's one of the reasons that he was attracted to to come. Yeah, um, a bit of a different challenge. Uh, and, and I think he he's kind of you know twenty seven years old, as you say. He he, I think he has got sort of a calm head about him. Yeah. And uh, he strikes me as the kind of guy that's cool under pressure. Um, and so he might fit into that kind of role that you're describing quite well. Yeah, I, I do think he probably got to a point in his Saracens career, though, where he was now the, the lead scrum half. And I think that's why it's refreshing that he's chosen to come on a three-year deal, where where if he'd chosen to come on loan, as, as we'd kind of feared, he would then have the reassurances to go back to, to Saracens as the lead guy, because Richard Wigglesworth... Uh, is retiring and so he finally I guess in his eyes earned that that starting jersey and also potentially earned it at England so yeah reassuring that he's signed for three years committing his future moving his family down to the club uh, to the city is a great signing and and you're absolutely right in the the scrum half position we've been crying out for and 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 he's going to add so much to to our, our attack and to our leadership and, and potentially to our kicking game, both from, from, from the base and maybe at sticks. So an all-round fantastic, fantastic signing. So relieved we, we got this one through the door. I think the whole COVID outbreak is kind of not as maybe shifted our focus elsewhere from rugby and we've not necessarily appreciated just how bloody good a signing this is and this could turn out to be for Bath. So um, fantastic news on Ben Spencer. Well, yeah, and... Gee, on the other Saris player that we rumoured potentially to be coming to, mm. to Farley House, um, but did not um, materialise. So Alex Zazowski, um, you know, rumours going around that he was in, in talks with with Bath. Um, you know, obviously the other position that, that we mentioned, um, uh, that, that, you know, we do need some kind of probably fresh blood and some support in um, is the fly half jersey. Um, we spoke about Lozowski a lot, but um, gee, he decided to uh, take the sort of one-year season loan deal, um, trying to remember where he actually went. Um, do you remember? Uh, uh, France, Toulouse, is it? no, um, uh, can't remember, somewhere in France. But... France for a year, essentially yeah. with the, you know, obviously England ambitions um, and, and looking to you know ultimately join Saracens. Do you think that's the correct call from Bath to say yes. we don't want you on that one season? Yeah, alone? yeah, I think it is absolutely the correct call, and I think we said that at the time, Tom. Uh, and although it would have been good to have Lozowski, and I think I think we need to start building for a longer term future because I think even the most optimistic fan of Bath, which I would say I am one of them, would maybe admit that we're not going to win the title within the next season and therefore whilst Lozowski might bring us some short-term success but then leave it would hinder the progress of other guys such as Cam Redpath, Tom de Glanville who will be with us when we hopefully win the title within the next five, three years for example. So yeah I think it is a very long-sighted and, and calculated move if, if it had even been the option there we don't, we don't know that but if there had been the option there and the reason we hadn't gone through with it was because the the one-year deal then then I think it's it's smart and it's interesting as well because we're going to be able to look back in a season's time and uh, and see if it if it was the correct call really because we you know we will have a direct comparison Bath have taken quite a different approach in that a lot of other clubs have opted to you know take these Saros boys on for one season so a sick way joining um, Northampton Saints uh, a number of guys joining Bristol so um, is it Max Malins, Ben Earl, ben Earl yeah. um, 
uh, uh, and a couple of other guys, Carl, uh, Carl Jack Singleton, sorry, going to going to Gloucester. So yeah, those clubs have opted to to do that. A couple of the others, obviously, um, heading abroad, um, and some just staying and almost having a season off at, at Saracens. Mm. So I think the option would have been there for for Bath, um, uh, but I, I think on balance, I'm I'm with you. There is a really good young crop of players coming through in all positions, really, even if those. You know their their actual positions aren't yet quite clear, um, and I think what do you what you saying to those guys if if you kind of uh, just want to take someone for one season, stick them in the shirt, yeah. not give them the opportunity, um, and then when they leave, you say okay, you were kind of you know second choice all along. Now you fill fill their boots. Yeah, um, I, I agree, Tom. Um, we've got four pages here of incomings and outgoings, and we we should probably get cracking. But I could talk Ben Spencer all day with you. Um, speak to the start of the season. Uh-huh. Forty-three days to go. Yeah, we could. Yeah, that that is the plan. You will only hear this on on the eve of Bath's first game on the thirteenth of August. That is when this will be released. When we finally get through this very, uh, bloody very long tired list. and uh, slurred words, but uh, <laughs> judging by how quickly those. Um, those doom bars are disappearing. <laughs> and also both of us out of a job. <laughs> um, right, Will Spencer then. So another uh, another Spencer, but a very different story, this one. Kind of out of left field, I think. Uh, obviously returning to Bath, having been with the club for four years. Since then, played for Worcester and Leicester. Uh, I know Stuart Hooper has spoken highly about the 28-year-old, about how when he left at the time when Hooper was still a player, he was sad to see him go and how much he's looking forward to, to bringing Spencer back. Do you share Hooper's optimism, Tom, as to what this signing can bring? Um, no, to okay, be honest. Okay, next in the um, <laughs> On awesome. the sort of spectrum of Spencer's, um, he's at one end and I think Ben Spencer's on the other end no, I think that's unfair let's be honest Stuart Hooper knows a lot more about rugby in general but particularly that is particularly second row play and line out play um, which, are, which, which, which he's mentioned as being one of the, the key reasons they're, they're bringing him in than, than I do so um, you know trust in hoops and all that and you know I've, I've no doubt that Ben Spencer's a, a decent operator. You know, he's consistently... Will, Will Spencer, sorry. As, as a, <laughs> that's the first of many. I've no doubt he's a decent operator. You know, he's got in... Um, he's got in uh, to, you know... the reg- He's been a regular starter for a number of, of premiership clubs. Um, Stuart Hooper mentioned that he... Uh, kind of made the line out his own when he went to when he went to Worcester yeah. and, and turned what was a bit of a shambles into a, um, you know, into what I know, Stuart Hooper regards as a good setup. Um, <laughs> so you, he can obviously play, but gee, more importantly, gee, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go into the outs, but you know, you need to, you kind of need to, look, you can't look at these things in a vacuum. And when you're seeing young guys, uh, you know, Levi Douglas, Reese Davis heading off, either being released or or you know going abroad where they could get build up more experience and, and come back bigger and better as we've seen so many players do in a Bath shirt uh, or so many players do having started their careers at Bath it is just a it just seems a bit of a a short-sighted one in my view yeah I, th- I think it potentially does does seem it now but and, and I also think that kind of looking at all yeah looking at all positions uh, throughout the the, the squad there's a lot of, of of youth but in the lock position it's kind of one of the positions where we've gotten rid of a lot of youth and the, the players there are, are more uh, experienced so McNally Stuke Ewells and Spencer mm. I guess would be the, the, the front four 
uh, unless I, unless I'm missing someone off that list. I don't think I am. And 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 so I don't know whether that's what Hooper is particularly looking for in a lock. As we say, we we don't know. But I agree, it's a slightly strange one uh, given the outs. But just on the player himself, it'd be interesting to see kind of how he's developed as a player since he he he, he was previously at Bath. Um, but yeah, certainly a surprising one given the 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 outs which we'll we'll come on to. Uh, another surprising one next, Tom, was uh, a guy, and I pride myself on my rugby knowledge, I'd never heard of in uh, Juan Schumann. Schumann? What are we doing? It's Schumann. Schumann? Is that what we're going with? Uh-huh. Juan Schumann from the... Juan Schumann. Schumann from the Durban Sharks. Juan, if you're listening, apologies for the pronunciation. Uh, Tom, as the, the, the resident prop in, in the podcast... What what do you know, and what do you have you since gleaned from uh, your extensive research into Juan Schumann? Well, I have seen approximately eight minutes footage of uh, Juan Schumann, uh, which I which it. I watched about half an hour ago <laughs> um, in in preparation for this. Um, yeah, I, I've not. I must admit, I've not watched a great deal. Well, it, it, you know, in past seasons, I've not watched a great deal of, of of Super Rugby, particularly on the on the South African side. He wasn't someone that I was aware of either um however as i say looking at, at him uh, looking at looking at kind of those highlights and and looking at his his career having played you know uh, represented age group level at south africa um having been a pretty regular starter for the for the sharks uh, he looks like a very very powerful athlete um he you know in in some of those highlight reels he, he looked like a very strong scrummager um on that on that loose head side um, so yeah, it, it, it's difficult to know what, what we're going to get. Um, we also had Jack Van Royen come mm. for a couple of seasons, probably didn't, I think it's fair to say, uh, yeah. uh, quite achieve what he, what he could have done. Um, Schumann looks kind of more powerful and probably better suited to, to be a prop in, in, in premiership rugby than, than I think Van Royen was, who was probably more of an old school kind of, kind of operator, um, but that's it. It, it. it remains to be seen, and I think what's really interesting, Gene, and we discussed this briefly, is kind of how he would have been scouted yeah. and, and who scouted him. As you said, it seems like a very, very left field, uh, left field signing. Was it that he just came on the market and we wanted to kind of bolster our squad in that position for for a particular reason, or is he, you know, as you'd probably hope, been someone that our scouts have been looking at for a while? He came out of contract and we we snapped him up. Either way, you know. You've got to remember that he's moving across from South Africa, um, bringing his family across yeah. uh, across to Bath, a young family. So he must have conviction in Bath, and Bath must have uh, conviction in him. So um, yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a wait and see uh, from me, but um, ever the optimist. But th- this falls under the remit, Tom, of of Pierre Broncon, the the head of scouting and strategic analysis at, at Bath. If you ask who's scouted him and who's pulled the trigger on this guy, yeah, that, that's Hooper ultimately finally pulls the trigger after consultation with probably Neil Hatley and, and Mark Lilly, the, the two primary forwards coached in the squad. But, but the guy that's got to bring uh, these sorts of players to the attention of Hooper, because Hooper can't be, be out on the, on the ground, boots on the ground, scouting players in South Africa all the time. It must be from a shortlist, or hopefully from a shortlist, which Pierre Broncon has carefully and strategically put together um, within within kind of a, a long period of, of of time, and I think that's 
an optimistic way of looking at it. But it's kind of got to come to account at some stage what Broncon's doing if 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 these signings aren't therefore if he's not therefore accountable for signings like this where you know it isn't necessarily someone like Ben Spe- Ben Spencer who everybody knows about there'll be no need really to scout Ben Spencer because Stuart Hooper will have watched almost loads of his games for Saracens in that scouting for that team it's players like this that are coming from you know a relative obscurity and, and and bringing them in and if they shine and if they if we turn out we're getting value for money then then ultimately Broncon and his team are doing a fantastic job but if it's kind of a, a bit of a dud then then you've got to kind of hold that area of the 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 team the Bath backroom staff accountable yeah yeah I think um we're rattling through these mate <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah uh, right, Josh Matavesi is next on our list. Um, yeah. I mean, these are players we've seen. So. Yeah, so so the next two, Josh Matavesi, previously on loan, but confirmed for the next two season. And finally, Cameron Redpath, who had signed, I think, prior to the Bristol game. Hmm. Uh, so two games before the, lo- the lockdown and the end of, end of rugby. Uh, so, so there we, we discussed Redpath. Certainly, a, a quick word on on Matavesi, Tom. Uh, happy to see him stay uh, at the expense, maybe of of Willison. Uh, yeah, I mean, we saw very little of of Matavesi. Clearly, looked a little bit rusty at Premiership level, um, a little bit kind of agricultural in some of the stuff that that he was doing. But I, I, I've always thought he's a he's a decent club player when he was at um, when he was at Newcastle in the Premiership. Um, yeah, I don't think. I don't expect to see him starting on a on a regular basis if we're you know injury free um, and we've got um, you know our internationals playing. Mm. But I think he's a solid club player. Probably commands a lower salary than than Jackson Willison, who is of similar quality, I guess, um, and 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 has shown himself to be a bit injury prone, brutally speaking, in the last couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, happy concussions. To have, yeah, yeah, and and concussions always you know. Uh, always an arsenal can always return really difficult yeah. to know that you're actually kind of properly rehabbed and, and cured so um you know I, I think this is the theme throughout this not wanting to, to 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 you know to um go off topic but it's a bit of a theme we talk about this quite quite brutally and it is uh we talk about it quite factually sorry but it is very very brutal for these players you know this is players livelihoods a lot yeah. of these players have been at the club for years and years and they're not really going to get a proper send-off in the way that they would have wanted to. They won't probably get a proper opportunity to finish their careers at Bath in front of a, a packed crowd. Um, and, you know, lots of clubs are seeing a massive deficit in terms of they're letting more players out than they're, they're taking in. Our squad has, uh, uh, has fallen now from 53 in the senior squad last season to only 40 people. So that's a significant number of people. And a number of those have been released, as we'll say, and, and are without um, are without contract, including Jackson Willison. Um, so it's very, very difficult. And I'm sure these decisions won't be taken lightly. On Willison, yeah, happy to see him him stay, I think. On um, Matavesi. Sorry, on Matavesi. Yeah. Happy to see him stay. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, nothing more than probably a, a, a kind of a solid club player in my view. Yeah, I would I would say on Matavesi, I think he does offer slightly different dimension to almost every other 
the centre that we've got, particularly Redpath and and Joseph, kind of maybe more similar to, to a Max Clark type. But yeah, in and around the squad and, and useful to have when when injuries slash England uh, duty calls. Um, yeah, I think it's actually a, a really good point you make, Tom, about kind of the the players' livelihoods at, at this stage. And, and, and whilst this analysis uh, it can, can at times you know, appear, appear quite brutal given the, the, the actual circumstances for the players. I think it's always important to have that underlying sympathy and underlying understanding of, of, of particularly for these younger guys who, who now necessarily don't have a professional contract and at the age of, of, of early 20s are thrown into to, to a completely different scenario at another club and, and, scram, and not scrambling, but, you know, looking and, and trying to find a, another way back to, to premiership rugby. So, yeah, that, that kind of, I think it's important to say and important to, to, to always have in the back of your mind when, when talking about, about, these, about these things, particularly on, on, on social media where, where it's kind of you know that there are throwaway comments where where you know about the worth of of these players to to the club and and, and it's always important to to recognise the the human aspect. I think during COVID nineteen in particular, when there's been redundancies and there's been you know people's jobs affected in in every walk of life. I think it's important that that people understand that that that's what exactly what what these players are kind of going through at the moment. Not just with the salary reductions, which we will come on to, but also the players leaving. Yeah, um, I think on that note, should we? Let's let's move on to to kind of the players that that are departing. Yeah, I think we can cool. segue on to a couple of other things yeah. as we go through. But shall I, shall I just read out um, a list of maybe some of the less notable names yeah. um, that that our listeners will, will know? And you can, if you want, chip in with a, a comment about each, and then we'll we'll kind of get on to um, to to the others. Uh, so first of all, Sam Nixon, tight head prop, off to Bayonne after being promoted from the academy last season. Yeah, good to see he's got a, a, a buy on, you know, is that that's Division One France, isn't it? So it's not like it, it almost feels as though he's he, he he's made that decision for, for his 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 um his rugby development as opposed to, to kind of a, a second resort to Bath. So yeah, good good to see yeah. him him go well. Good on him. Um Reese Davis, uh, who's someone I, I mentioned, um young second row off to Ospreys. Yeah, didn't see a lot of him. Um hope he goes well at Ospreys. Yeah, and doesn't come back to the Premiership uh, to another club yeah, and um, break our yeah, hearts. Ollie Devoto, Ollie Woodburn style. I think that might be a theme. Um, Hastings yeah. at Edinburgh as well. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, um, and the other Reese who only saw once Reese Webb to Ospreys. Not the most stellar Bath rugby career, <laughs> having been involved once uh, against Bristol in what was a. Uh, I don't want to kind of remember back to that uh, particular day, but he has gone off to Ospreys as expected. Um, Jackson Willison off to Soyo Algolem in France nice. Division Division Nicely Two. Uh, we mentioned him. Um, best to him and his partner as well, who has been a supporter of of this podcast. Oh, yeah. in the past. Uh, so um, I, I can't remember, but um, yeah, oh, Mrs. Willison, we're, we're sorry to see you go, and we hope that you continue to tune in and get behind the boys in blue, black, and white. Yeah, now how long do you think it will be until Jackson Willison is the the top offloader in um, <laughs> French D two? I'm back in for I'm back next, in for next yeah. season. Is Jackson. that do you reckon Paddy Power or another um, 
betting betting provider have got a, other providers um, are available other providers are available they paddy fire if you want to sponsor it be very kind of you get in the queue <laughs> yeah do you think they've got a, a book on div 2 top offloaders because jackson willis has got to be odds on i think they should they should collate that stat for d2 what were other <laughs> some of the key statistics in french division 2 rugby glasses of red um <laughs> night before match day um <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's topping that Jackson Willison or Sam Nixon oh yeah um, we'll, we'll move on there um, Lucas Noguera Pass uh, has been released goes in peace Argentina uh, I said that earlier so um, <laughs> yeah so he, he has been released um, hasn't been announced where, where he is going Jack Davis uh, is off to Doncaster Knights um, and then a couple of the other guys so Alex Davis mm. coach Alex Davis um, has also been been released, and it is quite interesting. Do you to say one thing on him? Um, maybe didn't you know uh, live up to his full potential in the Bath uh, senior uh, colours, first team colours? But he was a bit of a stalwart in that Bath United ten shirt. Rory McConaughey, when he came on the podcast, spoke about mm. how influential he was. Um, so maybe you know he's actually kind of been more influential, bring on the younger guys, bring on the the new guys to 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 fifteens like McConaughey mm. um, than we've been privy to. Yeah, three Davis is gone, which which makes our life easier given the number of Spencers and Maxes we've got in the club. Yeah, <laughs> it's an absolute minefield <laughs> out there. Um, and then yeah, well I guess okay, yeah, Levi Davis as well. Speaking and and Levi Douglas. Well, yeah, so um, the two Levi's. So they're they're both gone as well. It is difficult, isn't it? It really is. There's a lot of crossover, which I think does at time confuse Bath fans. And this list could easily be, you know seven names with all the, the the kind of same names that we've got on there. And on, on, on Levi number one, so Levi or Levi Davis, let's say, I mean, we joked about how, um, you know, he was involved in... Um, TriStar. The TriStar um, and all that kind of thing. Because he started off in electric form, do you remember, at the start of what, in, tr- season, in X in, Factor or...? Well, no, I'm t- well... <laughs> um, <laughs> In, uh, in in sort of the preseason games, he was scoring tries for fun, and then you know obviously went off to do this try star. Gabe Hammer Webb mm. uh, came in and got his chance. Now been promoted and and has done up to the senior squad and has done really really well. And and Levi Davis, you know, has has, has ultimately been released. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think at the time it it was a bit of a joke, as you say. But I think looking back, it wasn't necessarily that Bath looked. Look badly on 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 Levi Davis for doing this because they, he must have gone to them and, and got their I don't know permissions probably not the right word but got on their discretion for doing it but it was just purely giving the opportunity to someone else and Gabe Hamer Webb was was exactly that guy that that kind of grasped it because because of the injuries that we suffered at the beginning of of this season on the wing you know and with Watson away with England. And, and Brew injured and, and, and a couple of other guys. It meant that there was a position on the wing and, and it would have been Davis's because he was clearly ahead of Hamer Webb in the picking or, in the pecking order because Hamer Webb hadn't been given a professional contract that season. And so, yeah, it's, it's just that kind of opening the door for someone else. And I wonder if he looks back on that in, in a way that he's happy that he did it because because that's the sort of guy he is and he wants to have those interests outside of rugby which which would be completely fair enough or whether he looks back on that with with a hint of regret um and and kind of jealousy at where Hamer Webb could be where where Hamer Webb is because that's where he could be yeah um but you know ultimately kind of you know very very young 
Yeah, um, yeah, for sure, and and, and and a lot of promise, and I think that's one that that could easily go to another Premiership club and and do really really quite well because in the in the brief uh, spurts we saw of Levi Davis, he was yeah, electric. Uh, both on stage and on pitch. Yeah, and and, and on the other Levi G. So mm. um, this is one for me, um, and we, we've still got quite a lot more to more to get through. So I'll just touch on briefly. But this is one for me where I do feel potentially as if it might be one that we look back to to regret. Um, I feel like you know, speak of opportunity for Hammer Webb, and and obviously such a large part of getting the opportunity is just having a lucky break. Mm. Um, and we're so strong in that in the second row department. But it feels like he should have been giving more, given more of an opportunity, given how strong he looked, given uh, you know what a dominant force he looked when he has played in that, in that senior shirt. Um, he has got all the hallmarks for me of a player that will go away, play in the championship for a bit, do really well, get picked up by a, a premiership side in a couple of years' time mm-hmm. when, he's, um, you know, when he's probably refined his game and refined his set piece a little bit and come back and be a serious... Um, you know, uh, a seriously good player, and I mentioned a few of those players that that you know um, over the last few years that have have done that, having played at Bath, um, and it's always so frustrating. Um, and ultimately, you know, those players probably do harbour a bit of resentment for to the club for for releasing them, um, and will have loyalty to to the club that that then picks them mm. up. And uh, I, I just really worried that that that'll be the case for him. Um, and I hope it is because he's, you know, he, he yeah. seems like a top bloke um, and, and, and well liked by by everyone. But um, I was really disappointed to see him on the list. Yeah, out of that crop of the the young guys, which I think you, you've highlighted in, in your first list, and and Alex Davis as well, who who more experienced, but we saw less of him. Out of the crop of those guys, he's definitely the one that that I'm most disappointed to see go for for all of those reasons. I think it's kind of quite difficult to to explain why we, we've let him and, and a few of these other guys go because there's such a clear vision to be you know 50% homegrown by 2023 and Hooper and, and the club are so adamant on that. So surely if there's kind of any signs of, of potential in these guys, then then they're gonna they're gonna keep them around. I I, I there must be as you said, Hooper knows a lot more about lock play, but it just seems so strange that we'd bring in Will Spencer. Um, who, who I guess qualifies under the homegrown, uh, the homegrown mm. category, but and replace and replace him with, or he's a replacement for for these guys who are definitely homegrown, like Douglas. So yeah, really really sad to see him go. And it, at the start of of this season, the season kind of that we 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 played half of. He, he was showing real promise. I think in that game against Gloucester in the pre-season, which we watched uh, in Japan, Tom, when we came back in, in that second half, he was, he, he, was a, he was a man mountain in that game. So impressive. Yeah. And we, we kind of built that comeback victory on the, the strength of our, of, our, of our rolling mall. And I think Batty got a couple of tries and, and he was absolutely at the epicenter of that, if, if my memory serves me correct. And, and so it just seems, seems like a strange one, that. And, and this kind of plethora of, of young players that we've let we've let go given the the club's vision it, it seems odd and it, it seems like at least one of them will, will eventually come back and and bite us in, in in the proverbial yeah yeah I think I think there's a couple of things so I think we we had to this season let a lot of players go if you, if you look at the past few seasons it's broadly been you know one in one out in terms of in terms of the squad. Um, the you know the impact uh, the the economic impact of of COVID nineteen on rugby club owners 
and the fact that the the salary cap is going to be reduced by by two million um, pounds per year to to five million um, for the twenty twenty one season means that all clubs really have had to hmm. have had to have that sort of net outflow of of players. And I think the other element of it is, and, and it's probably been a hallmark of um, Stuart Hooper's uh, kind of uh, transfer, I guess, philosophy since he's been in place, is that he has sought to kind of cut a bit of dead wood that yeah. I think had built up um, under the Blackadder, under the Blackadder sort of, uh, you know, the period that he was in charge. A lot of that was through injuries, don't forget. We had to bring players in at short notice. But if you look at some of the particularly older guys that, that went last season, so Paul Grant... Um, you know, uh, Jack Wilson, Peronise, Van Vuren, Maxwell Heath, uh, uh, um, you know, Victor Delmer, some of these older guys who probably aren't really on the right trajectory that, that we want to be we want to be looking at. And, and, you know, that has kind of continued, I think, with some of these names that, that we've been talking about. We're clearly trying to, I think, revamp the squads over the last couple of years, a target that. 50% homegrown by by 2023 uh, but also I think really be quite choosy with who we're having and who we're giving the opportunities to that said you know you it's such a fine line and you do need to be so careful that you don't cut too far um, and and you know cut 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 us right to the bone and I think you know some of these signings for me I was so surprised to see so Levi Douglas being being the first one and then the second one G that we should we should get on to I think um, I think it's divided opinion really looking across social media but that really? is yeah that is that is Tom Homer who has also been released um, no club to to speak of so it seems like it was a Bath led decision um, thirty years of age G been at the club for for five years um, been hampered with injuries over his time but has been a real class act and doesn't really seem to be fading in terms of his powers. Um, what were your thoughts on that one? Well, I'd, I'd be fascinated to see the the other side of, of Twitter's opinion to what I think both of ours is, is that this is the biggest loss to, to, to the playing squad of, of this group of players. I, I think that that's, in my mind, almost unquestionable. I think he's been a consistently strong performer for Bart. On this podcast, think about how many times we've come on in rain or shine in win or defeat you know in agony or occasional ecstasy isn't it always tom homer had a good game tom homer had a good game tom homer had an outstanding game it's never all oh, tom homer had a bad game he's always either seven eight nine or ten out of ten i it is it is strange tom and and we spoke you you said there about the change in the salary cap and the the reduction in salary that these players are are kind of facing at the moment and I think that is naturally going to cause a, a middle kind of squeeze of these squads so you, you the top end paid players will remain because they're the, the the star power of your side and then you'll look to get value from the younger guys your squad will be kind of made up of top end guys and then younger guys that you're trying to get value for your money in and therefore that kind of pushes out if that kind of comes down on each other that pushes out uh, these middling, not middling, that's harsh, but kind of squad players who would be on, um, would be on upwards uh, towards the the star player money, but not necessarily reaching reaching that value, and therefore you look to the value for for the younger guys, causing the squeeze out of players, maybe like 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 Tom Homer, um, but I I I think it's a strange one, and and 
yeah, I, I'm I'm very sad to see, sad to see him go. Yeah, I think you know that uh, in my view there, there must be a couple. There must be one of uh, you know a couple of things going on. Potentially the the club and Homer know something that that we don't. Um, you know whether that's a longer term injury that means you know that his future of his his career is in in doubt and they couldn't you know they couldn't give him give him a contract. I mentioned he's been out with some you know lengthy spells um, over the last couple of seasons, but but that seems to be 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 clutching at, at straws. And um, I, I completely agree. I think you know if club <laughs> yeah the proof's gonna be in the pudding, but I think there must be clubs out there still. You know, able to or still out there looking for players. Tom Homer has been a top quality operator at fullback in the Premiership for a number of years at, at London Irish and at Bath. Um, and I'd be very surprised if if um, he's all fit and well that he doesn't get the opportunity uh, somewhere else. That said, uh, you know, again, the the Hooper and and the rest of the coaching staff see so much more of him in training and and how he was performing all the yeah. numbers behind what what he was doing than we do. Um, it, it kind of almost reminds me of, of of when Matt Banahan went across to to Gloucester, and a lot of people at that point, including myself, were absolutely livid. Not just on a personal level for for him, but also because we still thought he had more to give. You know, he was thirty one at that point. Tom Homer's thirty, and ultimately, in hindsight, and again, you know, Banahan's one of my heroes. But I, you know, from a financial perspective, I think that has proven to be the the correct call. Um, time will tell with Tom Homer, but I don't think he's quite um, where Banahan was in terms of the trajectory for for his career. Yeah, I think it all depends on on the financials behind what what Tom Homer was asking. Of course, there they get to a point where where any player is not worth the, mm. the value they are asking, and, and and so if that was the case, if that is the case, then then absolutely. Absolutely, Bath have made the right decision. They they need to remain careful of what they spend, given the the cuts back the cutbacks in the cap. But but it seems strange to me that if that was the case, then Tom Homer would have the 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 idea of his market value in his head, based presumably on what other clubs were prepared to offer him. And so, if that was the case, and he'd now left, presumably the what the other clubs were prepared to offer him, they would now offer him, and he would therefore be signed. Because Banahan, it was a case of, well, this is what other clubs are going to offer me. Bath said, well, we unfortunately don't think we can afford to pay you that for what you bring to the squad. Gloucester thought they could, and that's when the kind of move happened. But if Homer's saying, well, this is what I think you should pay me, but no one else wants to pay him this, then he's going to reduce his, his value back down to, to a level where, where Bath can meet. So I think the, the, the comparison has you know some similarities, but I do think it's odd that he wouldn't therefore have a club. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I guess the only thing to say, the, and we should move on from this, but the only thing to say is that it's not business as usual. Um, you know, when Banahan went, it was very much the end of the season. Um, all clubs were in the market for for players. This has, has been very difficult. All players having to, to take salary caps, as we saw with our dear friends Leicester Tigers. Some players are reluctant to take those um, those those reductions yeah. in, in salary, particularly if they're towards the back end of their career and they've only got a few years' salary left in them in professional rugby. Um, we don't know the ins and outs of it for for Homer. Um, we probably never will. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm really disappointed to to see him go. Um, and I, I, yeah, we can come on to the other other players leaving. I, I guess in a minute. But I think this segues us quite nicely onto 
um, another point. And that's with all these players leaving, with these 16 guys leaving, we potentially, and with only kind of three new guys coming in, we potentially begin to look a little bit thin in certain mm. positions. However, we've obviously got these younger guys that have been promoted from the academy, Cam Redpath as well coming in, um, whose positions are potentially um, yeah. unknown at top, at top professional, uh, club level at, the, at this point. Um, and I think that's the first yeah. one. That's the first one to come on to. Wait, so. been, it's all right. I just need to interject. You've been watching way too much football. Top, top level. And also... The, the, top the premiership per- level. The, the personal... Middling premiership level. <laughs> the personal growth from you between 74 days ago when we did our last podcast and, and this this podcast, you're A, admitting that there is someone on this planet which may know more about rugby than you. And B, you're segueing onto other stuff in the schedule which you seem to have created i am no longer needed it's been a humbling time um you know my brain seems to start finally started functioning after a quarter of a century um in operation but um but yeah we're, on, we're, we're, we're getting there after what two two and a half years of of, of doing this um this podcast lead so, us lead yeah, us on your thanks, segue thanks thanks for bearing with us um <laughs> listeners um, yeah, so where am I going with this? You lost my train of thought now. Oh yeah, <laughs> players that we're missing in certain departments. And now this has been a point of contention on on Twitter, G. And thanks for everyone for getting in touch with us. And you on, found the Twitter, Twitter. login. <laughs> I managed to log into our Twitter this afternoon. Sorry the tweet went out so late, but we've had a, a number of really interesting responses. Um, and, and, and many of them were, were about this. So uh, the 15 shirt, let, let, let's start with that. So obviously Anthony Watson being the number one. Um, he will likely be away with England. If the Lions happens next year, then um, you'd fully expect him to, to go to South Africa as well. Um, Tom Homer would have been the natural deputy there, as he has been for, for you know, a number of years. Hooji is, is going uh, to fill his boots. Where is our depth in, in that particular position? So I think it's split reps until we kind of get an idea of who is that, that number two I guess behind Watson who's clearly the the number one so I think it's split between Tom de Glanville who's someone we've seen a lot of and I think it's believed within by the Bath coaches that that he is 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 a number 15 or a 12 Uh, so potentially him I also think Darren Atkins who's a bit of a forgotten name by some not by us of course friend of the podcast Darren Atkins but he he is definitely sees himself as a 15 and he's signed he's coming back from injury has another year on his contract and therefore you know Where's he going to play if, if if we've got all these players? And the final one is, of course, Rory McConaughey. And, and that's kind of maybe slightly strange to say because he's kind of forged such a strong position for himself on the wing. But when we, when we spoke to Rory before lockdown, he said that he still kind of harboured ambitions to play at 15, which was the role he kind of considered himself to be strongest at when he joined 15s. Yeah. And so between those three and then Watson, I think we have actually got, got enough cover. And I think it's just up to one of them to grab that shirt and, and say, you know, the 15 shirt when Watson's not here is mine and, and you can forget about Tom Homer. Yeah, I, I think yeah, McConaughey 
and Atkins, um, you know, I think both of their preferred positions are, are fullback, so they seem to be kind of um, natural deputies. And as you say, depending on who who grabs the opportunity, obviously both competent on the the wing as well as we've seen. De Glanville. So this is this is really interesting, and um, uh, kind of a number of, of of tweets we've we've had on this, um, and and one quite interesting thing that the the club did. G. So on the on the website itself. Um, there were some kind of amendments made to the uh, positions. positions. Yeah. Oh, I was um, looking at this yeah, earlier. Yeah, which, which is really interesting. So, um, I'm so and glad again, there's and again, someone and again, else. So I'm not sure how much people want to read into yeah, this. I'm so glad there's um, someone else reading into this. But we love wild speculation. Really we love wild this. speculation on this, on this podcast. So we're going to go ahead. Um, so they have moved Tom de Glanville's position from fullback, which it showed last season, to fly half slash utility mm. back for this season. Um, a number of people um, on Twitter as well saying that having um, having seen him, so this is Rugby Bath on on Twitter saying that number ten is his best position in in their view um, and in Bath's view, and the only reason that he started playing fullback was when he came in um, kind of late on um, and played thirty minutes at fullback when Anthony Watson got injured in in the in the Champions Cup. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. I've again, I've not, I've not seen a, a great deal of of game tape um, of of De Glanville, particularly not at a middling Premiership level as we're as we're now now calling it. Um, but I think it's really important because these players, you know, they need to be given, um, they need to be told, they need to be guided to their best positions. Um, my view on what I've seen of De Glanville and his skill set would be that he is naturally a, a 15 or a centre, as you say, G. Um, but the knock-on question from that is that with Freddie Burns and Alex Davis having departed and, and Reese Breeson not really having a natural deputy, then who have Bath left to, to stand in? And is the fact they've not signed anyone, coupled with this little you know cheeky change on the website, does that mean that actually Tom de Glanville is going to be given the, the backup tension? Yeah, it might be. I noticed that, and actually in my notes is fly half slash utility back mm. question mark. So, yeah, maybe and we're... interesting, we should say as well, Redpath yeah. um, has been listed as a centre slash utility yeah, back. And, and in the announcement of signing Camp Redpath, and I feel like with a, with a dearth of, of rugby news, we're starting to read these websites too much detail, but it was said, Cam Redpath will add different dimensions to Bath's midfield with additional options of being to play at 10 or 15. So anywhere but the wing or nine for, for Cam Redpath. Yeah, I mean, it feels like Bath um, tried to be as vague as possible when they brought these players in. Um, but you'd hope now, and, and we'll come into their training, but you know they've started to come back into training. Um, contact's going to be starting soon, so they will start and see some kind of normality. You know, you hope to see these decisions made because I think you know we've seen it so many times with young players, but even if a player's not given a position to work on, they're almost seen as kind of a bit of a floating resource and they can't mm. pin down um, a particular position and really make it their own and, and really progress through the ranks in that position. Um, you know, we've seen it with Harry Malander, for example. Austin Healy is the great example of the utility back that kind of was never, um, no one had high enough mm. convic- conviction in, in any one position. Um, so I think the decision needs to be made. Henry they, Slade for a Henry, long period. Exactly, Henry Slade, great example. So, I think a decision needs to be made. It shouldn't be then set in stone, but yeah. there should be a firm decision made with a view to being flexible for yeah. the benefit of the player. Agreed. Um, 
but I get the I just get the inkling and the impression that um, they fancy uh, De Glanville as as a bit of a ten because I just don't see any other explanation for why we've only then got Reese Priestland in that shirt. Yeah, and one guy who won't be wearing the the Bath ten shirt any longer. Moving back to the departures is Freddie Burns announced uh, after much speculation that he'd be joining Japan. Uh, been at the club now for for three years, I think, um, and never really established himself in that in that ten jersey that we that we spoke of. And and I, I guess at the start of this podcast in particular, I've been quite outspoken about um, what I thought about about Freddie Burns's game and and how I thought he was he was playing in in a Bath shirt. And I think that was at times contradict contradictory to what a lot of Bath fans sort of had in mind and, and and I think from my point of view I'll say that I think he came in and there and there were there are two mitigating circumstances I think to kind of that you could level towards Freddie Burns's stint at Bath to kind of explain why perhaps he hasn't fully established himself in that 10 shirt and I think the first one and almost most importantly from day one was that he was replacing George Ford and and as it was a straight swap between Leicester and Bath at the same time. Those comparisons were inevitable. And unfortunately for Freddie Burns, even the staunchest Freddie Burns fan would, would never be able to say that, that Freddie's top game could could live with, with Ford's top game, which has, you know, been England fly half in the World Cup final. And, and there's no disgrace in that. But I think the fact that he replaced Ford almost like for like, it seemed at the time, meant that those comparisons always kind of put Freddie in the shadow in a way. And, and, and that combined with the fact that Ford led and then oversaw the most recent period of success for Bath, I say success inverted commas, when we got to the final in 2015, based on not just Ford's play, but an electric backline and the dominant four pack. And Burns hasn't had kind of either of those necessarily during his time. So I think those comparisons were harsh and, and, and tough on Freddie Burns. And I think the second thing that, that kind of led to, to almost where we are now was, uh, and it seems almost strange to say this, but the drop ball against Toulouse. And, and, and that was just such a massive factor in, in Freddie Burns' Bath career because it happened at the start, happened in such a high-profile game. And, and I almost think he never really recovered from that in, in Bath fans' eyes. He almost always seemed like he was trying to prove himself to to to, to get over that error and and I, I never felt like it, it was ever completely put past him and that was kind of down to the fact that from that almost from that moment it was an in-out situation with him and Reese Priestland and that that was almost the, the kind of not end of of his chance at 10 but that was kind of the moment when when it began to, to really flip-flop um, but I think despite those those two sort of mitigating circumstances, I don't think he's ever really grabbed that 10 shirt and said, this is mine, and, and, and ever really put in consistent performances from fly half that have meant that that kind of he's been uh, uh, ultimately a, a success at the club. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're spot on there. I think um, there was a lot of pressure on him coming in, mm. Bath being his kind of where he grew up, and it was almost a bit of a homecoming for Freddie Burns. Um, and I think one thing I would say, and I don't think he necessarily always acknowledges this, um, he has had his critics, and to be honest, rightly so, because a lot of the time he's simply not been been good enough. And you know, he was a big signing, a big money signing. He came in, 
Um, and he he simply hasn't been consistent enough and, and delivered um, on nearly as, as frequent enough basis. But the support that he has been shown, maybe not always from from us, G. Um, I've just, I think I've you know I've had a bit of a volatile um, kind of relationship with with Burns. You know, sometimes I think give him the chance, um, let him build his confidence. He's a confidence player. Give him the shirt. See see what he can do with it. And sometimes I just think you know you you just really don't help yourself with with some of the things you do. Um, ultimately. Preeson has probably been the better option, I think, mm. over the majority of the time that he's been at Bath. That's not been good enough for him, and that's completely fair enough because he wanted to to make that shirt his own. He wasn't able to do it. Um, you know, his career is ultimately, you know, kind of dragging on a bit now. As in, he what is he now? He must be late twenties um, uh, now. He he always seems like kind of a young, um, boisterous guy, but he actually has been playing. Uh, at a number of clubs now for, for a number of years. So um, I think a fresh start for him is great. He's off to the Toyota Industries shuttles. Um, I didn't want to say that he's going to be a taxi driver, but um, <laughs> it does sound a little bit, uh, does sound a little bit uh, like that. But Japan's an awesome place, as we know. Um, yeah. And I think a fresh start for him there um, uh, in, in, a, in a country that is... Um, absolute rugby mad now after after the World Cup and the success they had as a national team there I think it's a good start for him um, and I wish him all the best but, yeah agreed um, I um, I think it's the right uh, outcome for both parties at this point yeah agree on that Tom uh, and then speaking of another guy who potentially never quite fulfilled his potential oh. in, in a Bath halfback shirt uh, and, and that is Chris Kirk <sighs> Where do we want to go with Chris Kirk? I, I, I think he's one of the most loved um, players, I think, by us, by all Bath fans, because I always just feel like I want everything. I want it, I want it so bad that Chris Cook just makes that nine shirt his own. And he's had, what, is, is it 11 seasons yeah. he's been at the club now? Academy boy. And that there's been occasions where you think, right, Chris, this is perfect. Just go and grab it. And he's just never quite done it through... You know, occasionally club the club bringing in someone else, but also just at times some some uh, errors and 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 bad decisions on on the field. Yeah, I think you know, I think people are in danger here of of being a bit short sighted and and just remembering the um, you know a bit a bit of recency bias, remembering kind of everything that and and kind of the errors that he's made potentially in the last few seasons. Hmm. Um, yeah, you've got to say eleven seasons joined. Um, when he was 18, made his, his premiership debut um, at 19. Um, at that point, remember, was really highly, highly touted. Played for, played for England under 20. Um, uh, he, got, he got nine caps for them back in 2011. Um, so at that point, he was, he was talented, he was precocious, but he probably was making too many mistakes and needed to kind of refine his game. Ultimately, that <laughs> never happened. And he, and, well, it never happened as much as it, it should have done. Um, yeah, he, he has. He did ultimately had a bit of a tend has a bit of a tendency to um, probably cost his team more points um, than he he gains them in terms of the, um, the the penalties he gives away, the the yellow cards that he he, he tends to get. And um, again, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about about Ben Spencer. He had a 
brilliant opportunity over those 11 seasons. We've had scrum halves, a bit of a revolving door of scrum halves over yeah. that point in time. And it was his opportunity to break through and be like, no, we don't need another senior scrum half to come in. I will take this on now and I'll make it my own shirt. And um, he was never quite consistent. I wouldn't want to say good enough. He was never quite consistent yeah. enough to do that. Um, but he is a he's a Bath legend in in my view. And I will, um, you know, I'll, I'll sort of always be a, a big Chris Cook fan, even um, though he is, um, you know, heading across yeah. to, to Bristol. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, a, a great Bath man. Um, uh, I think loyal to the end. I think if another contract, <laughs> if another contract had been on the cards, he would have snapped it up. Um, uh, but I think probably a club decision there. And again, with Spencer coming in and, and Green and Fox um, uh, so promising in that position, again probably probably the right call. I'd say. Yeah, and I think the club man aspect is quite an interesting point to make because whenever Bath lose, uh, particularly at the wreck, and, and we always like to stay, Tom, at the end of the game, you know, rain or shine, win or lose, to clap the, the guys off or around the pitch. And at times when, when it's in defeat, you maybe feel that some of the players not aren't hurting enough, but maybe aren't, aren't outwardly showing hiding their... Better. Yeah, they're hiding it a lot better. Um, than, than, than maybe what as a fan you'd like at that point. And Chris Cook's the complete opposite. If, if Bath have lost, you absolutely know uh, from Chris Cook's facial expression and just the way he stood there with his hands on his hip, look, hips looking completely vacant um, into into the distance. It's kind of, unfortunately, I guess, my abiding memory and will be my abiding memory of Chris Cook, but so many other great memories of, of Chris Cook. I remember that try he scored down the left wing uh, against Northampton Saints at home with a, with a chip and chase um, when he was playing on the wing, uh, having come on, uh, I can't remember who for, to win the game. Also, I think I think he must have invented the, the interception from the other scrum half the off, off the line out. Because he seemed to go through a stage where he'd worked that out so much better than everyone else. Uh, so it yeah, go right. It was either a deliberate knock on yeah. yellow card or an absolute <laughs> or gaping, gaping gap in our defence. Um, I think that sums him up. At, at times, he was almost all or nothing. But yeah, as I say, some fantastic memories and 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 almost no guy, I think, gave more within himself to to the Bath shirt over those eleven years. So um, credit to him yeah. for that. Yeah. So just two more. Um, so stick with us here, um, and and you know two in two important guys, but but or two really important guys, but also two guys that I think we've we have touched on in, on on previous podcasts. The first guy, um, so Matt Garvey, um, who potentially, unsurprisingly, really um, has has moved on from from the club. Uh, obviously, had stints uh, as captain a number of seasons as captain. Joined back in in twenty thirteen. Um, 94 appearances for the club as, as again a guy that's put in a lot of effort clearly yeah. um, on and off the field is, is highly respected um, the sort of guy I wouldn't be surprised to see um, in some sort of coaching back of order, the club, yeah. or, or sort of um, backroom capacity um, top guy so by that- all accounts been, been hampered by injuries um, in the last two seasons that ultimately drew a close to his captaincy and now his, his career at Bath. So I that, imagine, that's sorry. not a retirement then? Well, I was thinking about this. He's only 32. Really? Yeah, and, and, and he, I don't want to be harsh to the guy. He does look a bit older than that. Um, you know, I, I think he, if, you, if you watch some of the, um, the, the videos that they put out sometimes, Bath Rugby TV, um, 
he, uh, he he does get a bit of abuse about being sort of the you know the old dad of the group. But he, yeah, he is only thirty two years old. Um, and that's what anyway. That's, that well, right? that's according to. I'll just double check that. But I mean, it, it does seem unbelievable. But <laughs> he. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to fill here on, on Matt Garvey whilst Tom kind of chases his name. But if it, if it isn't retirement, which I kind of I don't know why I assumed it, it kind of would be because it's not been announced. I, I think he's a guy that, and I think all of these guys it, it, it is true for. But he's a guy that that really needs to be uh, thanked properly for everything he, he's done for the club. And whilst the club can put out all the stuff they want on on social media, which is great and, and kind of all they can do at this stage. There needs to be a, a time when, when 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 we're all back together, uh, and and maybe get these players back. Obviously, it depends on their contractual agreements with with what their their new clubs are. But get these players back to the wreck if we can, or or at the wreck ourselves. Show our thanks to guys like Matt Garvey, who yeah, club captain for many years, and came in in two thousand thirteen uh, when when we were just about to start to get quite hot for those couple of seasons, and, and really made a difference. Really made you know, kind of gave that pack a gnarly edge. So um, yeah, he, he'll be greatly missed and. Yeah, unfortunate that his his end of his Bath career is not only tainted by COVID, but also tainted by um, a, a run of unfortunate injuries. Yeah, and, and actually when I was just having a quick um, Google search for to, to get a second source for, for his age, um, I came across um, an article that last year he um, he, he started coaching um, the, the first team at Corsham RFC, um, which is a club near, near Chippenham. So... Um, uh, I, I think that's where he he lives as well. I'm not sure what level they they play at, but um, potentially suggests that sort of coaching is something mm-hmm. that he he has in mind for um, for the future. Um, and then yeah, G just just leading on to that. And in terms of farewells, um, probably you know this is the guy that I'd I'd like to say kind of the most heartfelt thanks to um, in terms of the the guys that are leaving. Fortunately, he is uh, not pursuing a career at another club. Uh, that would be pretty heartbreaking. Um, but he is retiring, moving on to the financial world, I think now, as, as we discussed in, in, in yeah. the last podcast when he'd already announced his retirement. But Francois Lowe um, will be retiring. Um, we've waxed the record about Lowe so many times. Nine years at the club, 131 appearances. Absolute dominator at the, the breakdown. Um you know, will be hugely responsible for the development of the back row in that area. Um, I think sort of a coach as much as a, a player really in those those final few seasons. Absolute legend, World Cup winner. Um, uh, and yeah, I think definitely kind of a um, a personal favourite of, yeah. of mine in the, in the squad. Absolutely. Personal, yeah, absolutely. A personal favourite, I, th- I think, of loads of Bath fans. Flo Low will be massively missed uh, in a Bath shirt. Presence needs to be filled by, by these guys coming through, which hopefully, as you say, he's coached on. Well, um, speaking of guys coming through, uh, that's I think, ticks off all of the levers, Tom. I think we've done that in, in pretty good depth. Lots of them. Um, some some key ones, some disappointing ones, some expected ones. Um, I think with with a lot of these, it will be a question of looking back and seeing where they go, and seeing where the club is, uh, as to really evaluate on on how successful that decision was. Um, the future of the club, though, does lie within 
the younger guys as it's, it's kind of almost consistently as as is almost consistently as anything else pointed out by the club and and, and pointing towards that is is um the academy contracts that they've given out so Gabe Hamer Webb who we've spoken about awarded with a senior contract and then a number of other players promoted to uh, uh promoted from the under 18 squad to the senior academy uh, including the very ox- very exciting Orlando Bailey uh, fly half for for Bath Academy who um you know, whilst you spoke about Tom DeGlamble's potential there, he is another guy coming through that, that I know a lot of people around Bath have, have very high expectations, ambitions for. Um, so him amongst uh, yeah, a number of other ones promoted to the senior squad, of course, with a view in one or two years to get the uh, senior contract uh, like a Paymer Webb has just done. And like both Miles Reed and Darren Atkins uh, did very recently, and they are two of the three that Bath announced as coming back from injury. Uh, amongst uh, alongside those two was Joe Thokanasiga. Uh, the first we've kind of heard of him I- I- ever since Japan and, and that mysterious injury. So three more young English qualified guys, Tom. You know, which I think is a theme running throughout, uh, not just the contract extensions, uh, who was who, who are Max Clark, Max Green, and Henry Thomas, but also through our signings. A lot of these guys are young English qualified academy in many cases or or other clubs academy players um so a, a sign and a pointer towards the, the future yeah it's it, i think it's it's hugely exciting um you know I, I kind of hinted it earlier but looking down the the squad now and particularly if you compare it to a couple of seasons mm. ago we are predominantly a young side we are becoming as as the club um in fairness to them have kind of um, committed to doing and have followed up with doing um, uh, a kind of going to be a homegrown side um, and there are just some hugely exciting players across all positions and I think some you know nice kind of also sort of experience dotted around the squad so I really like the the profile of of that squad you know if we if, if COVID aside if we'd finished this season six for me, we are in such a better position than we would have been a couple of seasons ago because of the trajectory of all those guys that that you mentioned there. And, um, you know, the, the really exciting thing about the rest of this season is that you know, we're not coming off the back of weeks and weeks of arduous premiership rugby. Pretty much everyone in the squad will be fit and raring to go. Mm. They will have had time at home. They will have been... Um, as frustrated with lockdown as, as I think everyone else would have been there. They'll be coming back into training now. It'll almost feel like um, they've had, a, uh, you know, they've had, they will have had much longer off than they have in between seasons. It'll feel like a bit of a fresh start, but also it, it does feel like there's less to lose this season because ultimately there is a bit of an asterisk on whatever the final standings are, whether we'll, you know, get the, the remaining fixtures in is yet to be seen. If we do, it's likely that match frequency will be, um, will be, will be fairly regular and that will mean squad rotation and that will mean opportunities and direct comparisons that can be made between these guys. So it's hugely exciting. When was the last time, G, that we had everyone fit, we could take, um, uh, you know, we could, we could take our pick across this this talented bunch, we could mix and match different combinations without 
um, you know, living week to week and, and the criticism that, that Hooper would have faced for, for taking risks in a more normal season. Um, yeah. It's massively exciting. For so I did, a- I did actually pick, um, as Hooper can do, uh, a 15 that, that we could field, as far as I know, without any issue on the first game in the weekend of the 14th mm. or the 16th of August. But before I get to that team, Tom, you mentioned the, the age profile of, of this squad. And I actually went... Uh, in on my preparation for this podcast to do an average age of the squad. Uh, however, I soon realised that on the Bath website, uh, it doesn't have the age, it just has the year born. Um, and it would have taken me the full 74 days that we've had between podcasts to do that maths. So I uh, unfortunately I didn't bother, but it does look to be a, a really young squad. And I think Hooper mentioned that he wants to have a young core and then sprinkle it in with uh, uh, players from outside of, of, of the club's academy and, and more high-profile players yeah. to kind of aid that squad. And that's kind of the profile of the squad he wants going forward. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the team I, I picked, and, and, and really briefly here, mate, because I know we're, we're kind of running into to, to the first game uh, in August. But um, So Stuart, Dunn, Abano, Yules and Stook, then Underhill, Falatau, Mercer... Spencer, Reese Priestland, Redpath, Jonathan Joseph, Roy McConaughey, Anthony Watson, Joe Thokonasiga. Mm. And, I, I, and as far as I know, maybe Thokonasiga, we're not quite sure whether he's 100%. But as far as I know, I, I don't really see why that can't be the team going forward. And, and I think we've always dreamed as Bath fans of a season where there is no international games because we've been so... Uh, so severely affected by those at times and, and we've almost got that even though it is a truncated season we've almost got that 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 season so it'll be fascinating to see how, how those guys do and just off the cuff you know if we think about what a second team to that could could look like and kind of just plucking names um, a little bit from from nowhere here but we could have something like uh, Cat, Batty um, uh, who else could we have in the in the tight head Thomas Mm. Um, uh, McNally uh, Will Spencer and then the back row uh, Miles Reed, uh, Josh Bayless Josh Bayless Mike Williams and then Chudley or, or Fox or Green um, De Glanville at 10 for example uh, going into the centres could have well we could the basically mix up two maxes Max Wright Max Clark Josh Matavesi um and then on the wings as well, some Mesa Rocker de Gooney, yeah. who you didn't even he didn't even get into that fifteen. Gabe Hammer Webb, um, and and um, fullback. Again, we are looking a little bit <laughs> little bit stretched there. We might have to might have to. Um, uh, McConaughey will play for Will Chudley looks like it. Oh no, Darren Atkins. Darren Atkins oh, yeah. at fullback, and that is a pretty tidy second team. Um, and if we had a midweek game and we rotated those two teams, it would be great to see um, how the different combinations gelled. As I say. And, um, and 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 sort of how those young players started to started to to fit in. Okay, yeah. Um, so I think yeah, it is is it interesting, and it kind of whets the appetite for for what is to come. Um, very briefly, then, Tom, a, a quick update on on what the players have been up to. I guess over the last couple of weeks. So so the stage one of the return to play to professional rugby was uh, commenced on the fifteenth of June. Uh, and this, by the looks of things, was just individual coaching, individual training, kind of getting players fit, physically fit from from you know running at home on Strava and doing the odd yoga session to actually being able to to play 
rugby at, at the top top level um and, and then tonight on the 3rd of june uh, as we record they announced that on the 6th of june so on monday stage two uh, will commence uh, and this is uh, to, to quote the premiership statement it says small groups and or teams will be able to interact in much closer contact including sharing of equipment where necessary and i'm kind of reading that as maybe not uh, contact as, as we kind of phrase it in a rug in rugby terms more contact close contact physical contact but not tackling mauling rucking but the use of equipment i.e i guess a ball to kind of start to go through get back to some rugby skills uh, kicking passing line out throwing uh, all of those things uh, whereas before it was just kind of get to physical get back to physical um peak fitness and now kind of try and hone those skills before i guess they introduce stage three which would then be contact as we know it in tackling and everything else building up to uh the restart of rugby on the weekend of the 15th to the 16th of august yeah i think think about it you can't really get much further away from the two meter or one meter plus now social distancing than, than, a, good, than a good old rolling mall or um well yeah yeah in the past we've actually um <laughs> we've, actually, we've, actually be, we've actually yeah um uh, unknowingly been um social distancing been, uh, been social distancing from from the opposition attack but no yeah you can't get much worse i think for um for uh spreading an infectious disease than a, a good old rolling mall or a or a scrum so um but I guess at the same time, like if you're coming into kind of close contact with the players, semi-contact, and someone's got it there, um, it's difficult to imagine um, that, that that it won't be passed on. But anyway, fingers crossed. There's no second wave. Fingers crossed. We we go back to to normal. I just thought I'd, I'd touch on something briefly, G, that I I thought you would enjoy. Um, so just around uh, sort of what the players were actually doing during lockdown. Um, and so there was an article I saw with Anthony Watson um, where they interviewed him um, kind of around around what he was doing. He made a couple of interesting points, actually. The first one being that he would never, he will never in his rugby career get an opportunity like this to be fit and to be able to train and actually so rest up his body. Um, you know, he's obviously had his Achilles issues. Um, he is He can be quite injury prone. So yeah, he's going to come back fit and firing and hopefully... Um, you know really recovered well um, but yeah he was sort of running through his his daily routine um, tends to get up at around 11am so um, sort of f- similar to to I think your kind of lockdown routine he has breakfast again similar to you G then he chills out for a bit you know it's all um, it's all similar he watches the news this is where it starts to divert from you G followed by doing some weights oh we're getting we're getting quite far away then he has a one hour run and gets in the sauna for 30 to 40 minutes. And that's about as far as possible away from your routine. But then he comes right back to where he started. He chills out again. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. And also he talks a little bit about um, they've been gaming quite a lot um, uh, between the, the players. Um, he's been playing a lot with Tyrone Mings, who I think is a... Aston Villa centre-back. Uh, Aston yeah. Villa footballer. Um, as well as Henry Thomas, Matt Garvey and Charlie Yules. Any guesses of who the worst player out of um, out of the whole Bath rugby squad? It actually, wasn't one of those three. Um, On what game? Uh, he doesn't actually. Say. <laughs> the information. I'll go with Sam Underhill. Close. 
Uh, Tom Ellis, apparently, okay. is the worst gamer of all time. He says, we play in groups of four, but if he is online, he just turns off the PlayStation. Um, so Anthony <laughs> Watson, I think, as ever with him, great personality. He's clearly been making the best of a bad situation, um, but seems also to have been training hard. So, um, you know, starting on, what is it, Monday, um, yeah. they will be in, in, in this kind of semi-contact training um, and um, yeah, they must be absolutely chomping at the bit to, to be getting back involved, as are we, Jim. As are we. Um, and just finally then, Tom, the, the final question. Thank you so much for, for listening to, to this whole podcast. We really hope you're, we are whetting your appetite ahead of, of the season, even though it is uh, in, in, in five weeks or so's time. But the final question, Tom, moving into next season... Is from Robert Barkley on Twitter. Follow us again at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter across all socials. And he says, "What goal should we set ourselves for the rest of the season?" Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because it's we don't know what form the the season will take. I imagine they will try and um, try and complete the remaining the remaining fixtures. Um, you know, Bath kind of sitting um, mid table. Where were we about sixth. about sixth? Yeah, yeah sixth going into it so I, f- I think the ambition has to be um first and foremost in terms of results um to finish um in line for a, a champions cup spot that's got to be the number one um priority in my view um but i think as I, as i kind of alluded to a few minutes ago we can given the kind of exceptional circumstances look at performances and look at player combinations a little bit more and mm. be slightly less results focused. The squad's changed around a lot. There are new players who won't have had proper time to bed in. We need to be understanding that it's been a very difficult situation. There's going to be um, some some rustiness in 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 the players um, and in the coaching staff, um, uh, and it, it's not going to be easy. So I think we have to be understanding as, as Bath fans. We need to look for the positives. Um, we need to understand that the club are clearly um, looking to. Um, on a kind of a multi-season basis to improve this squad and to turn these young players and these young promising players into um, sort of uh, very established um, um, operators. So um, I think, yeah, obviously we'll we'll have a keen eye on the results and where we finish. Top six is key, um, but um, and when Saracen's gone, you know that's it's got to be got to be a, it's got to be pretty doable. I, I think, but I think we've also got a. Um, got to look past that a little bit and um, really give this new squad a chance to bet in. Yeah, I think piggybacking off what you said at the end, Tom, for for my goal of the season, and that would be get a clear idea of, of a 10, a 12 and a 15 going into next season and also get a clear idea of where, so De Glanville and Redpath in particular, where they're going to play and we can speculate and read so much into websites all we want. But at the end of the day, the club wants to find out on the field where these guys are going to play and therefore they're going to give them the opportunity in these upcoming games. And I just think if by the end of this uh, this second half of the season going into the next season, which is going to be a very, very quick turnaround, don't forget, we need to have a very clear idea going into that following season where these guys are going to play and who is going to play in those pivotal positions uh, for, for Bath because they'll ultimately decide how well we do in, in that final, in, in, in the full season of 2020 and 2021. Tom, man.
Yeah, thanks for that, mate. I, I really enjoyed that. A highlight of, of my lockdown, uh, none, uh, no doubt. And, and hopefully it has been for you, the listener. Um, you know, we've rambled on long enough, so so follow us. Back soon as well, I think. Subscribe. Not another 43-day delay. 74. We can, uh, not another 74-day <laughs> We can. Yeah, that would be late, wouldn't it? We'd be, <laughs> be sort of three weeks into the season. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely back for the season. But yeah, picking this up more regularly now. So thank you very much for sticking with us. If you have, share it with your Bath Rugby mates. Get excited for the season. Uh, we're very, very nearly there. <laughs>